Hi listener, how you doing? Frank here. This is a little beginning of episode bonus bit of content. I had a couple of things I wanted to address, so I just thought I'd dive in and record them. The first is, I might sound a little bit different. If that's the case, it's because I've changed my recording setup fairly significantly in the last week or so, and I'm just getting used to it, and I thought I'd just do a little quick test record and add it to this episode. So if I sound different now than I sound in the rest of the episode, that's because the rest of the episode was recorded before I changed recording, and this bit I'm recording afterwards. Hopefully what it'll mean is in future it's going to be easier for me to edit episodes, and I'm going to sound crisper and clearer, and with a nice bit of bass to my voice. Not that I have a very deep voice, but there we go. So yeah, I just wanted to flag that up in case things were different. The second thing is, I just really wanted to acknowledge at the top of this episode that this is the first look for Into the Maelstrom, which is the sixth Mythos pack in the Innsmouth Conspiracy Cycle. Last two weeks ago, in fact now, um, our last episode was the first look for The Lair of Dagon. I just wanted to touch on the fact that I'm aware, and Peter's aware, that deliveries have been really disrupted for people all around the globe. So in the UK, we actually received into the Maelstrom before Lair of Dagon, which were due to get later this week. And at the time of recording, that's um, 20th of April. Meanwhile, I know that other people got the Lair of Dagon, but then into the Maelstrom has been delayed until at least May. So it's a very kind of, I was going to say topsy-turvy time, but it's just disrupted. It's just a strange complicated time and I think it really highlights for me how much I've taken for granted when packs were regular. I know that other games have had this kind of issue where they don't get packs for a while or there's a drought and it can be really challenging for the community to stay motivated and not just feel kind of put off. I want to carry on this story and I can't. So so yeah it's kind of tricky rough kind of time and of course This podcast is in the business of first looking, and I know that there are listeners that like to sit down with their pack in hand and listen as we first look. So I appreciate that that's also problematic for people, that they don't have the cards that they want, or they're left waiting. So yeah, thanks for bearing with us, and just want to say basically that I'm aware as well that it's a weird time to be an Arkham fan. So, yeah. Anyway, that's everything I wanted to say. Let's dive in and first look at the player cards of Into the Maelstrom. Hello! You're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Vicky, and this is another one of our first look episodes. This week, we're looking at the player cards from Into the Maelstrom. Is that how you pronounce that? Maelstrom. You could have told me before. Sorry. I did the whole thing, how to pronounce that weird word at the end. Just go from I'm your host, Vicky. I'm your host, Vicky, and this is another one of our first look episodes. This week, we're looking at the player cards from Into the Maelstrom. Okay, so first up, we've got Hallow. It looks like you're in a school library and the prefect's telling you to shush. I don't know, maybe this card gives you the ability to hide from people? Have a quiet voice? Do you think it's good? I mean, do I think it's good? I don't know what the, the measurement for good is on this. It's a good answer for drawing to the flame. <laughs> yes, I think it's good. Based on... The woman's quite pretty. Holly Spear? No. <laughs> oh, 
Holy Spear. Holy Spear sounds like Britney Spears' sister. Uh, Holy Spear. It's a glowing, glowing sword. This seems like it would be good. I imagine that this gives you, you know, lots of powers. There's also, a, like, a troll mask. So surely that can only be good. I'll give that 9 out of 10. You didn't rate the first one out of 10. Is it just, that was just a yes or a no. Are you going to change your rating system for every card? Maybe. Okay, the first one. What, do you want me to go back and do it again? No, that's fine. The next one is Ancestral Knowledge. This... I mean, this looks like... in You know, in the Minority Port, when the guy's got the big screen and it, he's swooping around. That's what it looks like, but like a religious version of that. I've no idea what it does. I'm guessing maybe you get to understand everything about your family tree without having to pay, you know, like one of those ancestry websites, £9 a month. So, yeah, 7 out of 10. Okay, number 4 is Ar- Aradine's Twine. I- I'm being whispered to quietly out the corner and apparently it's Ariadne's Twine. Oh, this is a bull. Has anyone ever seen The Last Unicorn? Because it looks like the red bull is trying to... Lady Amalthea is fighting him. I'm guessing good. I'm guessing that it, it helps you with bull fighting. So... 8 out of 10. The next one is 0.25 automatic. Oh, this looks like it's uh, a, a little clutch bag with a, a pistol, so I'm guessing that you're attending Clue or something like that. You're going to have to, you know, fight off some people. It's, it's got a gun in it, so I'm assuming that it's it's good in terms of... What's the shooting. measurement of shooting things? Yeah. 6 out of 10? I don't know. The next one is... This one's quite violent. Justify the means. It looks like somebody's cutting their hand with a razor over... And this looks like some sort of sacrifice. I think this... I don't think any good can come from this card. One out of ten. Right of the equilibrium. Ah, no, this is those toys that you... It's like a... Balls. And there's lots of balls. (laughs) And you pull them and they go... You know. It's a Newton's cradle. That's what it is. Anyway, but these are on fire. So surely that's good. They're never going to stop <laughs> clicking. 10 out of 10. 10. It's also quite pretty. They're like blue and purple and glowing. This next card called Jacob Morrison. Is this Jack Sparrow? It looks like Jack Sparrow, but in the 1920s. That can't be a bad thing. 10 out of 10. Oh, except for now Johnny Depp's cancelled, so... <laughs> 1 out of 10. The last one is Shrine to the M- Moirai? Moirai? I don't know. You're not getting any help from me there. Moirai? It's like Moira, but with an eye at the end. And it's like candles in a tree. So I'm guessing some sort of dark magic is afoot. I've no idea what you can do, but it's got nice colours, so nine. Nine, despite the fact you don't know what it does. I don't know what any of them do, <laughs> so. What's your overall assessment of the pack? Yeah, I mean, great. With my knowledge of Arkham, I'd say that this pack was as good as any of the other packs out there. What's your favourite card in the pack? My favourite card is the fiery balls. What's it called? <laughs> right of Equilibrium. Good. And you're giving that a recommended? It's recommended because it's got nice colours. Thank you for listening. I'm sure you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hello! <laughs> You're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... 
It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Much better than last week. Was a bit down oh, last week, but, but feeling good this week. It. Oh, good. Good. You had a whole week to recover. Indeed. Listener, this is another one of our first look episodes. In fact, it's our final first look episode for the Innsmouth Conspiracy because we're here with Into the Maelstrom, pack six, and we're going to dive in again together and look at these cards. Okay, do you want to go first or second this time, Peter? You, uh, I'll go first this time. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, first of all, hello. Hello. No, it's the name of the card, Frank. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. This is a three-cost, three-XP event. It has a willpower and a wild icon, and has the spell and blessed traits. As an additional cost to play, hello, return a total of 10 blessed tokens to the token pool from the chaos bag or sealed on cards in play. Remove one doom from any card in play. Even in the deepest darkness, light can still bloom. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon? What do I reckon? Now, this was this card was announced when Into the Maelstrom was announced. And this is one of our blessed payoffs. If you can get 10 in the bag, you can pay 3 and remove a Doom. Yeah. That seems pretty good. Only equivalent I can think of is Fortune or Fate, which yes. is 2 cost 2 XP, but it exiles. And it's max once per game. Whereas with Halo, in theory, you could just keep playing Halo and keep removing yep. Doom. But you need to be able to generate 10 bless each time. Unfortunately, my my excitement for this card is slightly dimmed by the fact that we've just seen in the previous pack a watchful piece. Yes. And I think it is worth comparing them. Because okay. for 5 bless and 1 cost... You can skip all of the drawing of cards in Mythos. Yeah. But for 10 bless and 3 cost, you can just avoid a Doom. Yes. What do you think? Are, are you saying Watchful Peace is much better? It feels more impactful to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess the, the question is, how much do you think a Doom costs? Like, mm. the, the, the way we always look at Ancient Evils is that it's... One action, sorry, three actions per player that it costs, yeah. which is brutal when you think about it. So if you're playing with four players, Ancient Evils is twelve actions lost across the team. So this, in the same situation, would be four actions gained per player, uh, which is probably better, just straight up mathematically speaking, than the encounter cards. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If the encounter cards end up taxing you in your four-player group, two actions six, per player. Six, yeah, was, yeah, was good. yeah, eight actions then. You still all end up with an action spare. Yeah, yeah, that's a point. I mean, there's the possibility here as well that a scenario can never defeat you, right? Because the agenda card is a card <laughs> sure. in play. Yeah, and there have been situations where I've lost a scenario with only a couple of actions to spare. Or won a scenario with only a couple of actions to spare. Yes, yes. But would you be in a position to play this in those situations? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's making me think then as well, the the challenge with having 10 blessed tokens in the bag is that they're continually being drawn and you're using Sacred Covenant to keep them in the bag. And actually, one of the things we've noticed about Sister Mary is that she can have a lot of bless sealed in play. 
So last pack we saw Nephthys. Nephthys could have collected all 10 Bless, and you'd be choosing not to return any to the bag or the um, token pool, because then you know where they are and you can play Halle, which is sort of interesting. You know, same with Rite of Sanctification and Shield of Faith and Favour of the Sun. You might use those cards to collect the Bless, not because you're necessarily going to use their abilities, but just because you need to make sure that they're kept safely somewhere for Halle, which is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Definitely interesting. Your point about actions, just as a, a final addition, makes me think the more players you have, the more powerful this gets. Because if I spend an action and three resources and ten blessed to get three actions back in solo, yeah. or to get three extra actions, that doesn't feel... doesn't scale, does it? Maybe the cost should be one eye rather than three. You actually have to pay per player. Okay, yeah, yeah. fair enough. Uh, next we have got the Holy, Holy Spear. Holy Spear. It's Indeed. my turn, right? You just read hello. <laughs> oh, did I? Sorry. Yeah, Go I on. think so. Holy Spear. Four cost guardian asset, 5 XP. It's another of these willpower and two combat icons, just like we saw last month with Neftis. Item, weapon, melee, and blessed. Takes up both hand slots. It's got two actions. The first action is a fight. You get plus two combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. When you initiate this ability, you may release a blessed token sealed on Holy Spear. Then the other action, search the Chaos Bag for two blessed tokens and seal them on Holy Spear. Fight. You get plus four combat and deal plus two damage for this attack. That's okay. really nice. Yeah, that's really cool. Neither exhaust, right? So I could just do the second action three times in a row, seal six bless, and each time hit at four and do three damage. Yeah. Wah! <laughs> but, awesome. but then the only way to get them off this card is with that ability or with the Hello. two two cards we've just seen. Uh, we saw yeah. one of them last, last week, sorry. Watchful Peace, which searched your cards for blessed tokens, didn't it? Mm, yes, yeah. Cards in play or in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. So actually that's that seems like that's a really nice little cuz you don't have to trickle them back into the bag using that first ability. Mm-hmm. You can you can exploit them for another effect after they've been sealed on this card and then use other abilities say Sister Mary or whatever that seeker one is, survivor one is I keep forgetting the name of. Keep faith. Uh mm-hmm. to put them back straight back into the bag. So you get a real flow of tokens then around the board rather than having to slowly trickle them back in using the first ability on this card. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. You could even as well have played this for two cost with Rite of Sanctification, returning that token to the bag, then attack with this and pull that token back out and put it on the spear. Yeah, you start to see Guardian really like passing the tokens around, like you said, they're sort of manipulating them. Yeah. The other thing I'm th- seeing here is we've got a two damage ability and a three damage ability. Yeah. Which means you can be really specific when you deal with enemies to make to be efficient with your actions. If a five helper comes out like that deep one bull, you whack it first with the second action for three damage and then use the, f- the first action for the final two. Yeah. Or you've got a vicious blow in hand, so you just use the, f- the first action, depending on if you can get the combat boost. 
if the combat boost is enough for what you need. Yeah, that's really cool. What a card. Funky. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Okay, next we have uh, Ancestral Knowledge. It says a uh, 3 XP asset, um, sorry, Seeker asset, and it is permanent, so it has no cost. It's also exceptional. Your deck, uh, and it's a talent, sorry. Uh, your deck mm-hmm. must include at least 10 skills. Your deck size is increased by 5. Reaction, before you draw your opening hand, attach 5 random non-weakness skills from your deck face down to this card. Reaction, exhaust ancestral knowledge, draw one attached skill. That seems pretty, pretty good to me, to be honest. Hmm. Your deck must deck size increased by 5. So... Yeah, just five extra cards over the course of the game, right? As long as you've got mm-hmm. at least ten skills in your deck. Which, like, it's not a bad number of skills to have. Yeah, what do you think the rule is? Could you purchase this when your deck has five skills in it? And when your deck size increases by five, immediately include five more skills? Yes. I would because say Because your deck case. must include at least ten skills. It doesn't... That's not. That's not sort of before you purchase this card, is it? It's just... I mean, a good question. I would say that's fine. Um, And it sort of seems to be what the intention of the card is as well. Yeah, quite possibly. My second question, when you exhaust Ancestral Knowledge and draw one attached skill, Mm -hmm. do you get to choose which one you pick or do you have to pick one at random? I'm thinking you get to choose, but they are five random skills from your deck that are attached to the card. I'm just... Um, yes, I think you do. Otherwise, it would say draw one at random. I mm. would say, yeah, yeah, and clear. just because they're face down is that's just to indicate that they're out of play. Yeah. I basically. mean, like backpack will attach things face down, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think anything which isn't like in play mm. is face down to not confuse face down. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. confuse matters. Yeah, yeah. I just want to touch on the art as well. It looks like Amanda with a um, kind of a Celtic cross yep. in the background. Yep. And I listened to MJ Newman on Los Archivos de Arkham being interviewed. Yes. And she made a really interesting point about the the iconography and the imagery that they've used in this cycle around Bless and Curse. Yeah. And that they didn't want all the blessed to be Christian iconography. And I know I'm making that point because we're seeing a Celtic cross here. But just trying to find lots of different cultural dep- depictions of bless. Right. Rather than, it, you know, that's why we've got, say, Nephthys, who's an Egyptian god-inspired character. There's yeah. no Christian imagery there. Um, I thought that's really intriguing about the kind of art direction for Blessing Curse. So, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. Oh, that's cool. I like yeah. that. I think this is really cool as a card. I mean, I think Amanda does... It does shout out to Amanda because she wants to include those skills. I also, again, weirdly think, Joe, that you can you can be running your insights in the hunch deck and maybe be running things like vicious blows, deductions, perceptions, and overpowers. But interestingly, there's a little like mini nerf here for practice makes perfect because if you take a bunch of your skills out <laughs> yeah. of your deck, they're not then in your deck. Yeah. Then practice makes perfect that's a good point that's a good point but i think on the whole this is just a net positive and i'll go further than you and i think any seeker would be happy to run this like Mm -hmm. i think you would put i mean i can't think of many people would have fewer than say four skill cards in their deck Mm -hmm. 
So you add one extra skill card, and then suddenly you've got all of your like five. Those five skill cards are out of your deck, so your deck's thinner, mm-hmm. and they're on top of ancestral knowledge. But your deck must include at least ten skills. Yes, but your deck size is increased by five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you have say four skill cards in your deck, you add one more, and then the increased deck size from ancestral knowledge yeah. is yeah. the other five skill cards. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you know, just put any. F- there's enough good skill cards in the game that you'll find mm-hmm. some good ones to put on here. And you, you know, you, the the neutral skill cards like perception, they let you draw cards anyway. So you're almost mm-hmm. getting like double deck thing thinning duty. So a perception comes out of your deck onto ancestral knowledge, comes into your hand for free, and then if you succeed at the test you play it on, you direct mm-hmm. to draw another card. So not only yeah. are there fewer cards in your deck, <laughs> um, <laughs> the cards that let you draw cards are coming into your hand for free. Yeah, yeah. I think it's real, it's really, really nice. good. Yeah, it's really, really, nice. really good. Where it's exciting for Amanda is if you're running, you know, Promise of Power and Inquiring Mind and things like that, you can use this free trigger to exhaust Ancestral Knowledge at the end of Mythos before you have to decide which card goes underneath her. So yeah. if you ever find yourself high and dry with like, ah, oh, I really need the Manual Dexterity... You select that out from underneath her if it's one of the ones that have been attached at random, and then yeah. you're ready to go. Sorry, I I, I gave the impression yeah. there that your your deck is thinner when you take the skill cards out. It's not. It's the same size. It's, it's the same it's, size. It's, yeah. It's f- yeah, five coming out and five increased deck size. Yeah, but I think my my point still stands. I think it's you know the, the only downside would be if the scenario lasts less than five turns. <laughs> yeah, um, at which point yeah. you can't draw them. And I think if that's the case, yeah. you've probably got bigger problems anyway. Yeah. No, I, I understood your point to mean if I'm running Perception in a deck without Ancestral Knowledge, Perception may have come into my hand as my upkeep card. Yeah. So that's a draw, um, doing air quotes, that Perception has taken up. And then when yeah. I commit Perception, it replaces itself. Yeah. Whereas if Perception was on Ancestral Knowledge, in that same upkeep, I draw an actual card. And yeah. then when I commit perception later, having taken off ancestral knowledge, I get another draw. So you get more draw out of your replacement effects. I agree. I think it's great. Yeah, really good. Really. Yeah, good. I think it's a really cool card. Really cool. Six XP is maybe um maybe a bit low for it. Um, I guess it's the skill. How does this compare to Studious? Studious is three XP and you just get plus one hand size. Yeah, I mean I, I'd be yeah. happy to take them all. Give me give me what twelve XP and I'll take two Studious and ancestral knowledge. Start the game with seven cards in hand, five cards under ancestral knowledge, barely any left in your deck. Yeah, yeah. cool. <gasps> and hey, you draw the attached skill. Do you get to trigger Harvey's ability of draw? <laughs> or um, all your or is stuff... that when an investigator draws a card from their deck? It might be when they draw a card from their deck. What about um, Thingamajig, um, Brain Enhancing Serum? Yeah, that uh, Dream Enhancing Serum might work as well. Brain enhancing serum, brain juice. It's now called big hand serum. I big hand serum. It. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. We, cool. Next card. card. Who, whose turn is it? I've totally forgotten whose turn it is. is My it you, turn. You now. again. Right. Yeah. This is Ariadne's twine. It's also a seeker card. It's a zero cost asset for three XP with double intellect icons. The art is banging, properly banging. Yes. It's like a statue of a bull, loads of, loads of um, candles. It's ritual traded and it takes up the arcane slot, uses zero secrets. 
Secrets on Ariadne's twine can be spent as if they were on any asset controlled by an investigator at your location. Free trigger, exhaust Ariadne's twine. Move one secret from an asset you control to your resource pool as a resource, or vice versa, which is move a resource from your resource pool to an asset you control as a secret. Yes. So, a quick aside, who who was Ariadne, Frank? Ariadne was the daughter of Minos, king of Crete, and she fell in love with Theseus and gave him a ball of thread that he could use to guide his way through the labyrinth. Yes. I believe named after Elliot Page's character in the film Inception. (laughs) She called Ariadne in Inception. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. they're all. Um, there's another fact of our inception: the main characters' <laughs> names, their initials of their names, spell out uh, dream or dreams. Oh, okay. So you've got uh, Ducky, is... Rex, Edgar, <laughs> Ariadne, yeah. Mumu, and um, Stephen. <laughs> That's not what they're called. <laughs> oh, hang on, I want to look this up now. I'm sure it's like Ariadne, Eames, Sato, and then DiCaprio's character is called something else. I'm sure. Anyway, right. Sorry, that's a total, a total, um, a tangent. Tell me about this card, Frank. Well, I was hoping you could tell me. So you've paid zero and three XP to play a zero secret card. And the cool fact is that you can spend the secrets that you've, you've spent for that zero cost zero card as if they were on any asset controlled by an investigator at your location. This is one of those lovely first look cards where we now need to be able to say all the other cards that have secrets on them not just even in seeker but every other faction yeah because <laughs> this card can interact with all of them well let's let's pick an obvious one which this works with which is forbidden knowledge mm-hmm. so forbidden knowledge comes into play it's a zero cost asset comes into play with four secrets on it mm-hmm. and you can take a horror to move one of those secrets to your resource pool as a resource mm-hmm. so you can trade four sanity for uh four resources once a turn very useful in Agnes to, to ping damage. Nice econ card if you've got a big sanity pool. Mm-hmm. With this, you could move the secrets from that to your resource pool directly. So you could just take off the money. Uh, t- take them off without taking the horror on Forbidden Knowledge. You could even load it back up with resources from your resource pool if you want more, say, you know, more triggers for firing Agnes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, crucially... This lets you spend those secrets on Forbidden Knowledge, which is a very cheap way of getting secrets into play, on any card which needs which spends secrets. Yeah? Yeah, that's the part where my brain no, starts to No, that's not right. Because it's only secrets on, on this, card this card that can be done for that. Yeah. yeah, so you could move them off Forbidden Knowledge and then put them onto here. Or just put yeah. resources from your... This is pointless then. So you could put resources from your resource pool onto Ariadne's twine and then spend them as if they were on Forbidden Knowledge. Painful, yeah. Yes. You could also use the Eldritch Sophist and exhaust the Sophist to move secrets directly from Forbidden Knowledge onto this or elsewhere. The other things that do use secrets that I can jump straight to, there are a lot of tomes in Seeker that use secrets. Old Book of Law 3 uses secrets. 
Mr. Rook also uses secrets, and then things like the Otherworld Codex, the Esoteric Atlas, Encyclopedia, these all use secrets. So yeah, you Diana, could have played Diana Ariadne's Esperance. Twine. Diana Esperance There's uses a fun secrets one for you. as well. Yeah. yeah. So Diana could never run out of secrets because the player who controls Ariadne's Twine once a turn spends a resource from their resource pool and puts it as a secret on Ariadne's Twine. Yeah. And then the player controlling Diana Esperance can spend the secrets on Ariadne's Twine as though they were on Diana Esperance. Mind's Eye does indeed use secrets. Yeah, I thought Mind's Eye used secrets You know what else well, uses so... secrets? Scroll of Secrets. He uses secrets? Okay, <laughs> he uses, yeah. does indeed, yeah. Yeah, scrolls of them. That would be really annoying if it used charges. Yeah. I think um, Scroll of Prophecies uses secrets as well. Does, so doesn't use prophecies. Draw, draw effects. Yeah. Rook. Rook uses secrets. Yeah, I said Rook as you were looking at other things. Yeah. And then we know as well that the cryptic grimoire upgrades uses secrets. And yes. it normally accumulates secrets from revealing curses. But one possibility is you could have the cryptic grimoire and be topping it up with secrets from Ariadne's time. So when you're trying to hit that five secret threshold to not draw an encounter card, you could maybe be on three secrets on the grimoire and two secrets on Ariadne's time. Do it that way. This seems like a, a good fun card. Yeah, um, I like this kind of stuff. Is this is this what is known as combo rather than synergy? Because this card by itself is zero cost, zero secrets. You know, it really does. I mean, you can start loading it with secrets slowly, can't you? You could do, but you but do it, need another card that does something. Exactly, it does literally nothing with secrets. Um, it does nothing in itself. You need to have another card that 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 spends secrets. Glad we got there. Okay, next it's you. Okay, we have uh, twenty five automatic level two. So it's a four cost Ooh. asset. It has a combat and an agility pip. Item, weapon, firearm, and illicit. It's fast. It uses four ammo. Has action. Spend one ammo. Fight. If the attacked enemy is exhausted, you get plus two combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. Everything so far exactly the same as level zero, I believe, except for the extra combat icon. Yeah, that's right. Reaction. After you evade an enemy or location, perform the above fight ability without spending an action. And that's a (laughs) combat... uh, Sorry, a hand icon. Yeah. Use the hand slot, sorry. It's nice. I like it. That's nice, yeah. Getting the com- the compression, you evade and you get to fight as one action. Yeah, so ni- ni- time, 99 times out of 100, the enemy you've evaded will be exhausted. So you'll mm-hmm. get the combat and the damage boost for it. Plus, obviously this will allow you to trigger it any time you perform any sort of evade. Even if that's like mm. a fr- some kind of free action evade or something like that. So say with Stray Cat, that'll work with this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cunning distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any of those? Things. Can you trigger this once per enemy you evade? After you evade an enemy at your location, perform the above fight ability. Right. Say if I played like survival instinct or something, or expeditus retreat, and evaded I evaded three more, enemies. Three enemies. Can I fight them all? Mm. I think it's just a binary. Did you evade an enemy or not? It's not. 
for each enemy you evade. Right. Okay. Perform it. I think, but I could be wrong. Because is it is it three separate timing points that you've evaded three separate enemies, or is it all the same timing point? You've evaded three enemies. Yeah. Don't know. Good question, though. One one we can look into. Yeah, intriguing. But I think even if even if not, I think I still think it's okay. Yeah, I, I think, think there's so. plenty. Oh, you know what? This doesn't work with though. Stealth. No, because they don't favorite mm. cards. Yeah. Stealth doesn't exhaust enemies. It just means yeah. You can't so you do it. evade the enemy, so you'd get the above fight, but that fight wouldn't give you any combat and wouldn't give you any extra damage. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty. So the challenge of the level zero was that you were only getting the combat and damage boost on exhausted enemies. So that meant you were probably spending another action exhausting them by evading them. Yeah. This means you now no longer spend that extra action. So the first action evade becomes the first action fight, which is really nice. Yeah. And for Finn, that means you can spend two actions without spending an action every turn. You're, you're free of, well, as your bonus action, a free evade that becomes a free fight. Yes. Yes, I, li- I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm thinking Finn and Skids are the ones that kind of jump out to me. Potentially Trish, but she only fights at a four with it. Yeah. But yeah, actually, speaking of that, if she finds a clue and does an auto-evade and gets an auto-shot, that's a lot of action compression. <laughs> yeah. Okay, should we, should we move on? Next, we have Justify the Means. This is a 3 XP rogue skill card. Pretty gruesome art. Practiced and cursed traded. You may commit Justify the Means to any type of test, which is useful because it has no icons. As an additional cost to commit Justify the Means to a skill test, add curse tokens to the chaos bag equal to this test's difficulty. This test automatically succeeds. It's pretty nice. Pretty nice. Yeah, we saw this card announced with the Into the Maelstrom article. It's pretty funky, isn't it? Anything which is auto-succeed uh, is, is good, right? Mm-hmm. You you obviously have to be able to add the number of tokens to the bag equal to the, the test's difficulty. Yes. Which might limit your ability to do crazy combos with things like, well, not that you can anymore, but double or nothing. Yeah. yeah. Still, though, for any test that you absolutely need to succeed on, or mm-hmm. one that's, if you're comboing it with other abilities, that... What was the one we just looked at that you needed 10 curse in the bag? The Stygian Eye. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> play this right before you play the Stygian Eye. Yeah. Stock up the, the bag with curses. Mm-hmm. As we've said a few times over the last couple of months, sometimes all you want is a flood of curse tokens into the bag as well. Yeah. This seems a really efficient way. Even if you're using this for, say, four curses, a difficulty four test. That's great. You get an auto-succeed in the moment, and you've then added four more curses to the bag. Yeah. I think your point is a really good one, that this could turn off, and the time when it's most likely to be unavailable is towards the end of a scenario. Yeah. When maybe the bag is filled up, unless you've been really aggressively drawing all of those curses. And that's also the time when you might most want to auto-succeed. So that's a really interesting balancing act for me, do you run this in a deck that actually doesn't run any other curse cards because you really want to be able to auto-succeed at clutch moments? 
or is this in there but you run the risk of it not being able to fire you know and imagine as well if you have dread curse or if other people are running faustian bargain or deep knowledge you know there could be five or six curse tokens in the bag and suddenly the options for what this will auto succeed for you um, start to diminish you also can't use this on things like the circle tests in um, union and disillusion because most of them are difficulty 10 or higher yeah true, true. Or unless you, or higher. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you can't you can't put more than 10 curses in and then yeah the auto succeed madness is something like all in our good friend lynn <laughs> and the sawn off shotgun and whatever other things you want to include like quick thinking watch this you know if you're auto succeeding at a test your stats already at five or six you're ending up doing six damage drawing five cards getting an extra action getting six resources you know it's bananas yeah yeah it's worth keeping an eye on i suppose (laughs) yeah i don't think i have anything else to say it just seems really strong yeah yeah well i mean let's move on then we've got plenty more to cover next is is it it me you yes so we have a level three lucky dice Mm. or are they uh this is a two cost asset it has a willpower and an agility pip item and relic and exceptional so far so familiar i believe reaction when you reveal a non-curse non-autofail chaos token add one curse token to the chaos bag Ignore the just reveal token and reveal another one to resolve. If that token has a curse or an autofail symbol, return lucky dice to your hand. Cannot be ignored or cancelled. That uses an accessory slot. So, for two extra XP, mm. we we lose the the remove from the game clause. Yeah, which is nice, and we trade paying two resources for putting a curse token in the back. Plus, obviously, we it's a after you reveal a non. It's more restrictive in which tokens we can cancel actually as well, because the original one could cancel could cancel the autofail symbol. Is that right? No, the original. No, one yes, was, there was a ratted, wasn't it? it yes. Yeah, 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 it was yeah, misprinted. Yeah. Yes. So this is yeah. our, this is our fourth rogue exceptional card as well. We yeah, had the lucky had... penny, Gass. eye of the gin, gas, gas, gas. Whatever I want to call that. Yeah. And, and now this. They're yeah. really leaning into that exceptional cool rogue, rogue toys. So, I mean, early on, it's funny because that reveal a non curse, non autofill chaos token. At the beginning of a scenario, there's only one token that will mess things up for you. You yeah. just slip another curse in, and then, then there are two tokens that you get another token. You can be kind of playing this little gambling thing of slowly filling the bag with curses and as long as you did, don't hit them or the auto fail you can keep redrawing yeah fun funnily enough i played way back in in the day opposite someone playing jenny with lucky dice the level two version which they loved they'd go to say two or three up on a test and then just keep redrawing tokens until they passed it feels like such a different way of playing Arkham from how I play now. It feels like something back in the mists of time. <laughs> because that idea of just pouring resources into redrawing. Now my my thinking is why not get to four up? And then there's only one thing that can fail you, but there's nothing you can do about that token. So yeah, it's a kind of a funny one for me now, thinking about it. 
because for the ability to be useful, you're going to need to not be at an efficient place to pass the test anyway. At which point, why do you want to put more cursors in the bag to make it less likely that you'll pass? Yeah, funny. Strange, strange little card. Do you know what I mean? Am I making sense? No, no, you are. Yeah, it strikes me as it's uh, it's kind of a card that works better when you don't go all in on curse. Mm. Mm. Sorry, that wasn't relevant to what you were just saying. It was just something. I was no, 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 no. That's, that's was, a good as, point as well. As I was looking yeah. at the card, you, you can have this would fit well in a in a non-curse rogue deck. Just that you're ticking those in when you really need to pass a test, maybe. Yeah, 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 potentially. Well, anyway, should we move on? Yeah, and hey, that's a good... Just the final point there. Say you've committed a bunch of cards to a test and you pull the... You pull a symbol token that says uh, all your skill cards don't count for this test. Or if you're poisoned, you auto-fail or whatever it is. You know, it's not a it's not an auto-fail and it's not a curse, but it is an, a mean token. Yeah. And there's not really anything you can do to mitigate against that. You put another curse in and get another chance to pass yeah okay let's move on okay next is me a zero cost mystic event 5 xp wow wild icon is this yes it's adam s doyle art i was gonna say those little seeing the um like the pencil marks maybe it was adam (laughs) s doyle it's what are those called those things that it's a new cradle yeah yeah it's Newton's Cradle made out of the most delicious looking bonbons. <laughs> this is Right of Equilibrium. Spell, Blessed, and Cursed traded. Either choose one. Add X Cursed tokens to the Chaos Bag to add X Blessed tokens to the Chaos Bag. Remove X Curse and X Blessed tokens from the Chaos Bag to heal X Total Horror from among cards at your location. Well, that's certainly a card, isn't it? <laughs> Take me through all the possibilities. <laughs> oh God! So this this obviously works well if you if you're going with the the paradoxical covenant and you're doing yeah. a weird like bless and curse build in the same yeah. party. Mm-hmm. You could use it to add. You can add as many bless tokens as you want, or as many curse tokens as you want. Yes. X. Just as many as you want, mate. Just the load of them. Put them in there. For zero cost, I can put in 10 curse and 10 bless. Yes. It's just 5 XP. I mean, if you ignore the 10 curse, zero cost to put 10 bless into the bag. Yeah. I mean, that's that's great, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, (laughs) you do have to put 10 curse in as well. Yeah. But say, say we want to play Hallow or A Watchful Peace these cards that we've seen come out that need lots of blessing in the bag. This this is the single quickest way of getting the blessed to the threshold we need it. Yep, yep. Which is pretty good. Absolutely. And then add to that the curse spell suite. If actually we want a load of curses in the bag because we want to trigger all of those cool curse effects. This is also, I think, first card we've seen in Mystic that adds bless. Because oh, really? We've seen Tides of Fate that lets you swap curse to bless for a turn. And we've seen Promise of Power that adds one curse. And that's it yeah. for Mystic. So, you know, in terms of their curse and bless enabling, it's fascinating to me. It's a, a 5 XP zero cost event. And then 
it lets them really go for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could play this right before you play the flute and just play like a 10-cost flute and seal mm-hmm. all those curse tokens straight away. You could well, play... I'll tell you what else you could play. Yeah. Harmony Restored. Well, I was I was thinking that, yeah. Three costs to gain 10 resources and remove exactly the amount of curses that you just used to add bless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a pretty wild combo. That is nuts. You're giving someone else seven resources for that. Yeah. But then also, remove, remove well, up to ten tokens and heal ten horror is also good for yeah. zero cost. And that X, you have... In, it's not X and or, is it? So it's, I remove one bless and curse to heal one horror. Yes. Or, yeah, exactly. X fills in. So great to play right after you've just played another Rite of Equilibrium. Yeah, no, I mean, it's good. My, my, yeah. my, my friend, years and years ago, told me, you know, if you see a 10 on a card, then it's not a cost, then it's, then it's a good card. And this the X can easily be 10 on here. So there's certainly yeah. ways to yeah. add this into any kind of combo. Mm. And that healing of horror is from among cards at your location. So that will heal horror off allies, but it'll also heal horror off cards that can't normally be healed, like your something worth fighting for or... You know, whatever other cards have ended up with horror on them, your keepsake even can be healed with this. Yeah. So it's worth noting because um, that effect, heal horror, to open it up to any asset is pretty funky. It would heal your key of ease if you're running key of ease. Yeah. And it heals horror, which means Carolyn can take it. Yeah. Yeah. If she wanted to do. She has quite interesting bless and curse access, right? She can take. Curse stuff from Seeker and then also bless stuff from Guardian. Mind blown. What a crazy card. <laughs> it's absolutely wild, isn't it? Yeah, really wild. Really wild. That, to me, I've heard of a few people who are playing four-player teams that is just going all in on both bless and curse. Yeah. <laughs> in this sort of like pure chaos party. And this feels like that fits perfectly. Turn one, put ten of each in the bag, off you go everyone's stuff is turned on that whether that's right of sanctification for loads of discounts or the curse spells or the grimoire it's all on it's like here we go (laughs) your chaos bag is like bursting at the seams because you just doubled the number of tokens in it right uh next card Mm. me that's the only mystic card yeah Mystic cards are always the like a lot of card real estate is always taken up with the spell suites, isn't it? Yeah. Right. We have uh, Jacob Morrison. He's unique and he's the Coast Guard captain. Uh, three cost, three XP asset, and he has a wild icon. He is ally and blessed traded. Jacob Morrison does not ready during the upkeep phase. Reaction. When you would fail a skill test, exhaust Jacob Morrison, you get plus two skill value for that test. A second reaction, after a blessed token is revealed from the chaos bag during the skill test you're performing, ready Jacob Morrison. He has two health and two sanity, and obviously uses the ally slot. So yeah, lucky on a stick, right? Lucky on a boat, I think you'll find. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I knew you'd say lucky on a stick. Always. I like that he's got a little um, shirt and tie here. He's dressed up for this um, job, which I think is yeah. good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Respectful. Yeah, I, uh, interesting card, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm dubious about does not ready during the upkeep phase. 
and then he only readies when you draw a blessed token. I think yeah. he could be pretty hard to mm. reliably have ready when you need him. Mm-hmm. However, you know, we've when we've played, we've been in the situation where we've drawn bless and they haven't done much good. They haven't helped yeah. us pass the test. At mm. least then you're sort of you're yeah, banking the plus you're two. You're banking the plus two exactly. Is that's what I was going to say? Yeah. You're banking the bless for when you actually need it, which which I think yeah. is 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 quite nice. If you're playing bless heavily, you can save those those for when you for when you need it. However, what I will say is, you could put this in Pete. Yeah. And get some free readies of cards. Or you, you can use um, Inspiring Presence as well. That readies, mm-hmm. Is that ready uh, an ally yeah, asset? Yeah, yeah. And heals them, yeah. And heals them. Yeah. You could also use Favor of the Sun and hit the Bless when you need to. Yep. Yep. And get him readied for the next test. Yeah. it's he, He's lucky on a stick, question mark. Because obviously, yeah. if you can't ever ready him again... You've paid three for a single, single lucky, lucky, yeah, and some yeah, soak with a bit of soak, yeah, yeah, which isn't doesn't feel great. So I think being able to hit those blessed tokens um, is really important. He actually is reminding me of Nephthys as well. He's a similar kind of thing where it's like you go into all this effort to put blessed tokens in the bag, and then you're hoping that you're going to get more bonuses than just the plus two rolling. And this is one of those bonuses that you get readies for Jacob. But it's quite hard to assess. Well, if I say see a bless one one in every four tests, will I've used Jacob in the intervening time? All of that kind of thing. Interestingly, in in sorry, this is a total tangent, but in, in Marvel Champions, there's a lot more of those these kind of cards, which is an effect on an event that's on like an asset card which can be banked for a turn when you need it. Okay. Because in Marvel Champions, your hand size is potentially more limited, but you mm. you draw back up. Having extra cards in a turn, if you don't need to spend cards to get them, is really good. Yeah. Because um, yeah. it can really increase your effectiveness on a single turn. So you'll often see like cards which are discard this card from play to give you plus one attack for the turn kind of thing. And it sort of feels a bit like that, that he, you could play him and then just keep him ready for when you need him. Mm. Yeah, I think I think so. The most annoying thing will be that you reveal a bless, then you play him, then you use him, and then you never see a bless again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no! Um, and Matteo can take him. And yes. if you're maybe doing that, Matteo really leaning heavily into bless, that's quite a nice fit for Matteo, the plus two, two boost. Because certainly early on, Matteo doesn't have the highest of stat lines. He's pretty flat statted. And having a little, basically, lucky in Matteo is, is kind of nice. But maybe Matteo would prefer to just run Olive and just fish for Bless busily. Yeah. yeah. Intriguing. Next, we have... Wow, that's it. We're at the end. Nope, nope. Shrine of the Moirai. Yes. That's our last card, right? Yes. This is unique which is pretty rare for an event to be unique. It's a one-cost, three-XP survivor event. Willpower, intellect, and agility icons. Fortune, blessed, and cursed. Attached to your location uses three offerings. Attach location gains, free trigger. Draw the top card of the encounter deck. Exhaust Shrine of the Moirai and spend one offering. Return up to two cards with a total combined level of five or less 
from your discard pile to your hand. Card designed by the Moirai at Arkham Knights 2019. The Moirai are the Fates? That's right. Daughters of Nyx, I believe. Someone's been playing Hades. I have indeed, yes. Um, They never appear in Hades, but they're talked about a lot. Um, Ah, Daughters of Nyx and then siblings of Thanatos and Hypnos, I guess. And Mm. Nemesis? I don't know. Nyx had a lot of daughters from what I remember. Wow, nice one, Nix. Um, <laughs> one cost 3xp event that gives you potentially return six cards to hand. Yes. In each time their combined level needs to be five or less, which is striking in Survivor, I'd say, because most Survivor cards are three or lower. So you could get a Lucky and a Will to Survive or a True Survivor and Look What I Found too. You know, they combine quite nicely to add up to level 5. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. You can end up with a lot of level 2 and 3 cards in your deck in Survivor. Obviously, you need to not leave the location. Yes, or come back to the location. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. And you can also use it to bring back other recursion as well. So, say, True Survivor or Resourceful, (laughs) things like that. Yeah, yeah. You scrounge. Yes, scrounge for supplies. So you know you can just get in a real cycle of cards back to your hand and playing them again. Yeah, and you can also offer this to anyone at the location because it's the location that gains the ability. Yeah, so of course. Yeah, you could that's play really this down in the central location, and you get two cards, and then the next turn someone else gets gets back two vital cards or that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, or, or just anyone gets back cards they need. Mm. No, that that could potentially be really powerful, actually. I hadn't considered that use of it. Yeah, it's the exhausting... Like, I'd love it if it didn't exhaust and you play it down and everyone in the team grabs two cards back they need, but obviously it exhausts, so that slightly slows it down. Worth noting as well that it doesn't discard when it runs out of offerings. Right. So I think once it's down, it's down, and you can't pick it up and replay it. Yes. Unless... Yeah, unless the, the location is somehow discarded. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're that's, stuck. I mean, that's possible as well. Oh, it's it? certainly possible, yeah. It rewards yeah. some scenario knowledge, right? Mm, mm, yeah, good point. Okay, good good one to note. And again, like we did with our last first look for Lair of Dagon, if anyone from the Moirai wants to write in and let us know about any of the thinking behind it, uh, I think this is a really neat design. We've seen a few um, Survivor cards that attach to locations, Hmm. like Lure, Hiding Spot. So it's quite nice to see another one that does that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to add? No, no, I think I'm done. What you most excited for in this pack, I guess, is the next question. Holy Spear! Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Why would it? you not be most excited about that? Well, actually, Right of Equilibrium. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like... If you put 10 Bless and 10 Curse in the bag at any given time, there should be an extra rule for Bless and Curse which says something like, everyone gets to draw a card. <laughs> just as a like good effort. Yeah. Uh, so I might just add draw one card in Sharpie on, on writing. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think those two I'm excited about. I think also the 20.25 automatic is a really nice level two weapon for for rogues that 
like I can see it slipping into Finn or Skids and being really fun. Like a hard worker, you know, one of those cards where you're always kind of happy to see it and it does work. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Well, what's, um, what's weirdly, actually, no overlap. Um, the two Seeker cards are really the ones that jumped oh, out yeah. to me. Um, Ancestral yeah. Knowledge, I think, is just good. Just a good, yeah, good yeah, card. Yeah. Um, and Ariadne's Twine, I think, has... It'd be lovely to build a deck focused around that. Mm. Get maybe get the surfaced in there as well, and do some real secret yeah. nonsense. I think that could be that could be good fun. Probably here's a fun tip for you: Go Truth on. from Fiction is a good secret card if you want to. Oh really? Add that to that haven't, deck. haven't heard yeah. of that. Yeah, I've been really meaning to do a kind of tome secret deck for a while. Yeah, and yeah, that could be really fun. Because even if you're just getting Old Book of Law level three. And just giving it more than three secrets, so that it's just continually finding you things and playing them at reduced cost. Yeah, I think it's a reduced cost. That seems really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Potentially, yeah. So yeah, it could be good fun. Need a nice pool of resources. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'll start thinking about that. Yes. <laughs> Have you heard of uh, Doctor Milan Christopher? I've heard he's he's pretty good. Yeah. So I played with someone recently who wasn't using the taboo list and they had Milan and it's just just bananas. <laughs> Absolutely bananas. It's funny to see, isn't it, now nowadays. It's like, wait, you just took three resources this turn as well as getting three clues? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. That ends our first looks for into the Maelstrom, the sixth pack in the Innsmouth Conspiracy. And that means we're probably going to be recording our Bless and Curse episode fairly soon because we've now seen all of the Bless and Curse cards. And we can dive into that. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook, Twitter, Designed by Humans, and Patreon. Thanks to all our fantastic patrons and the amazing community that they've built around the cast. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you.